beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. We just had the most amazing family vacation. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. This is Tusha Matters with Mutiny Radio, big up to the number one station, the ruling nation, give it to me every time. Ah! My name is Breakfast. And I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. 
It's Bugass Square. It's Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Tinkle in the morning if I had a bell, you understand? Tinkle in the evening time. <laughs> All over this land, look, I tinkle out that danger. I tinkle out a warning. And I tinkle out love between my brothers and my sisters.
time. Push it with me. Put your hands together and clap for That's right. Make me feel good. You know. Intel inside the Westview anomaly.
I bring you greetings from the White House. Say a word, Tommy, say a word. Tell Paula White, <laughs> Trump is gone. Preach. Tell Bob Johnson, oh, Trump is gone. Somebody tell Kanye, oh, that Trump is gone. Tell Diamond and Silk, that Trump is gone. Yes, he is. Tell Ben Carson, Trump is gone. Let's go. Come on here. Wait. Watch your voice, Doc. Trump is gone. Yes, he is. Yeah. Oh, Trump is gone. Trump is gone. Yeah, way bye-bye. Trump, 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 Trump is gone. Trump is gone. Hasta the way go, yeah. Trump is gone. I don't need no other word in his song. Thank you. Thank you. Trump is gone. Him and his two-faced and I'm 
Well, I ramble around from town to town. Now I ramble around from town to town. And they herded us wild like a wild herd of cattle. That's the vigilante men. Well, why? a vigilante man Tell me why there's a vigilante man Carrying that sort of shotgun in his hand Would he shoot his brother and sister down Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our show, The Labor and Love Show. Let me get 
Labor and Love Radio, where we tell you how it is if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Of course, they don't want you to have a union. Of course, they don't want you to join up with other working people. Your work makes them rich. Okay, that was our set, our opening set, such as it was. I started out with... Um, Sam Cook's version of If I Had a Hammer celebrating the Black History Month. Of course, every month is Black History Month. Black History is America Month. Every month is America Month. And after that, we played a song which I keep playing every <laughs> Every week, bringing the good news, Uncle John, and reiterating it, Trump is gone. Trump is gone. Like the Saturday Night Live skit, they would always end it with, uh, Francisco Franco is still dead. And then we had the Vigilante Man with uh, Ry Cooter. And the vigilante man is the type of man that went to the Capitol and looted the Capitol. The kind of man who's ready to do violence when someone tells him to, no matter what the cause, no matter what, who he's hurting. The vigilante man, Ry Cooter, I think that's a Woody Guthrie song. This is Labor and Love Radio, and welcome to you. Every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., we come into your life and talk to you about the labor movement, by, for, and about working people, labor news, labor history, labor opinion, labor interviews, by, for, and about working people. What have we got for you today? Well, we're going to start out with the labor card, a set of cards that uh, I put together along with an artist named Josh Sanchez, celebrating the lives of 30 figures in the labor movement. Uh, a trading card set available at uh, CFT.org. Under curriculum, labor card. Also online, I believe you can get it. I want to celebrate the four people out of those 30 African-American people who helped, who forwarded, who rolled the union on, who spoke out for working people. We're also going to talk 
uh, learn about a black organizer for the CFW. CFWP. I have to check that out in the uh, in the uh, meatpacking industry. We're going to learn about Ella Baker, pivotal for uh, figure civil rights struggle, which of course was a working class movement. And I have another couple of, um, another couple of uh, excuse me, another couple of segments from Studs Terkel's working Labor History in Two, Radio Labor. I'm going to do a little feature about a performer named Sophie. Icon in the gender music scene and the larger pop music scene in general. Sophie passed away last week. But what has Sophie got to do with labor? Sophie's song celebrates self-expression, being who you are, coming out. Whenever a group asserts its freedom, all of us Sophie's song is dedicated to all the trans working people who face not only owners of capitalism and being a working person in capitalist society. But the unthinking prejudice of people who want everything nicely. Which it would never really UFCW Okay, so let's start out with our world labor Our world labor news, radio labor for the week of Friday, uh, February 8th to 12th, 2021. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, February 12th, 2021. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, how unions are preparing for a transition from fossil fuels. Workers in Australia's huge coal exporting sector may lose their jobs in five years. The Labor Start report about union events and singing... This is Radio Labor. Wind and solar will overtake coal and gas by 2024. So in three years time, they are estimating that the share of energy generated by wind and solar will overtake 
gas and coal. That is Walter Sanchez, the General Secretary of the Global Union Industrial. The union represents more than 50 million union members working in the supply chains of the mining, manufacturing, and energy sectors. It has just released a major report on the transition taking place towards green, sustainable energy. Mr. Sanchez. I would just jump into some very key issues, in my opinion, in the report that our affiliates should focus on is the major trend that is going on in the sector, especially for the fossil fuels. So one thing is about the prices. I just checked today and then the prices of the oil brand is around $55. The fact that it will never recover into the $140 that was in the past, that was a basis for a lot of investment that was made in the past, but it will never recover from that. Some Sectors like fracking in the U.S. that is a very costful sector. Most of the companies are about to go bankrupt. I mean, be, uh, living on subsidies from the government. It's not likely that the new administration of U.S. will keep supporting these companies, especially after one of the major points in the campaign of Biden-Harris was an investment of $2 trillion in what they call the Green New Deal. And uh, right after the inauguration, Biden just announced that they're back in the Paris Agreement, which is a welcoming news for the whole world. But it sets a lot of other thoughts for us. And even if we don't, if we were not in, in the position of a just transition, we cannot fight against reality. For example, we have some information which are very important for us to, to be aware of. Major investment funds, for example, are banning all new investment in fossil fuels. And you know that most of the oil companies are very much using leverage from investment funds. And those investment funds, the major ones, are already banning any new investment in fossil fuels, which means no new money, no fresh money for oil companies. And therefore, most of them are already investing part of their investments in renewables. General Electric and Siemens not only build, but also maintain thermal plants. They announced that they won't do this business anymore. They're withdrawing from this business, which is a sign also for the future. Those are the major players in this business. And finally, we see that the International Energy Agency is already estimating that wind and solar will overtake coal and gas by 2024. So in three years' time, they are estimating that the share of energy generated by wind and solar will overtake gas and coal. So this is very important information for us. Uh, we see also that the big companies are jumping up ahead on, on these renewables. Companies like Enel, Iberdrola, NextEra, Orsted are companies that few of us know about and are companies that we have to have a good look because we have to improve our organizing on those on those companies. Uh, Next Era, for example, is an American renewable company that is a market value cap, is equivalent to Exxon. Just to give you an idea of the importance of such players in the sector. So all in all, I, I think it's an opportunity for us. I hope this research will help our affiliates to make some uh, discussions because, you know, something that we in industry all 
in the agenda of just transition, we've been very vocal about the need for us as trade unions to transform ourselves, to seize the opportunity. At the same time that we see the trends that oil and gas and coal are going down in terms of share of energy source, but we see also that we have an opportunity to organize workers in the supply chain of renewables, in mechanical engineering, what we call the green tech sector, in steel, glass, chemicals and fibers, everything that is in the supply chains of renewables, it's an opportunity. But our unions, our oil and gas unions uh, exclusively, we have to run into our transformation so that we have the opportunity to organize those workers and we have the strategic goal for us, which is grow our organizations and seize the new movement on the greater share of renewables in the energy sector. So all in all, I just want you to just again, invite you to read the research. And I hope this can be a tool for all of you to support and a call for action for us to transform ourselves and seize the moment. While the renewable energy sector continues to grow dramatically, there are many workers employed in the energy sector who are not ready for the transition. This is especially true in Australia, where coal is an important export. One of the participants in the webinar was Peter Coley, the National Research Director for Australia's CFMEU Union. Australia is in an unusual situation, developed country, but its main export industries are minerals and energy. We're the biggest coal exporter in the world. We're not the biggest coal producer in the world by any stretch. So what we're dealing with here is not just a domestic transition issue, but our international trade transition. Because the coal industry is Australia's second largest export industry after iron ore. And the LNG industry is, an, is the next largest exporter. So our international trade is based on fossil fuels. So very big challenge for Australia here. Now this union, my union, is in mostly in coal mining. Now, what the report said was very interesting to me, essentially saying that the unions in oil and gas know very little about just transition, and they also have the view that the oil and gas industry is going to continue on quite strongly for quite a long time. And the oil companies themselves often think that. A key issue was that the oil and gas companies are likely not talking to their workers about the possibility of fossil fuel decline or the requirement for transition for the workers. So it's all going to come as a bit of a surprise when it happens. And we have the problem that where it's not talked about and where it's not discussed a long way in advance, there's quite a lot of denialism. What we face in Australia is the situation that domestic coal power is already strongly in decline. Fundamentally, not because of government policy, but mostly because of the improving economics of renewables. Australia is actually very rich in solar power and in wind. So we have a situation where our coal power workers accept the need for transition because the owners of the coal power stations already have put closure dates on all their stations. It's required by law in Australia now. You have to have a closure date. And so that's already been announced. So the coal power workers are interested in transition and very alive to the issue and we are doing negotiations around collective bargaining agreements around redundancies and retraining and relocation. 
The industrial report about the transition from fossil fuels to green, sustainable energy sources is on the union's site at industrial-org. Click on the menu tab, Who We Are, and choose the energy sector. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labor Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of their work. Our top stories section included links to coverage of Myanmar, where everyone from teachers to police officers have been striking in opposition to the military coup. From Morocco, where 28 garment workers died when an illegal factory flooded and the workers were unable to escape and how the demands that global brands make of their suppliers encourages dangerous working conditions for garment workers, most of them women, who produce our clothes. And finally, we had stories from Belarus, where union activists leading strikes against the dictatorship continue to face long jail sentences. The emerging trend in our news coverage this week is the extent to which the pandemic seems to be encouraging attacks on media workers and the practice of journalism. Or if not encouraging those attacks, then providing a distraction while governments in many, many countries move to restrict criticism. Examples just this week include Poland, where the process of restricting media freedom has accelerated over the past year, and countries like Colombia and Ethiopia, where journalists are routinely threatened and physically attacked. Also this week, journalists faced accusations of terrorism in countries like Bangladesh, Egypt, and Iran. The situation in Myanmar is particularly acute, with an unknown but large number of media workers having been arrested after the coup. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news of a Canadian dockers union that has negotiated anti-harassment training for 10,000 Vancouver port workers, the start of a new campaign against gender-based violence in Lesotho, and how the United Kingdom government's pandemic response has made gender inequality much worse. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories about what British unions are calling contract cronyism in the issuing of personal protective equipment contracts and fears that delays in the provision of vaccines in South Africa is endangering healthcare workers there. Our photo of the week is of healthcare workers in Kathmandu, Nepal, members of the Nepal Health Workers and Employees Union. These workers have been holding a series of protests in an effort to force their employer to honor the agreement recently negotiated by their union. Their struggle is part of a global trend in which the pandemic is being used as the excuse for massive wage theft. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include an urgent appeal for online solidarity with workers and unions in Kazakhstan, Algeria, Jordan, Ukraine, Brazil, Kyrgyzstan, India, Myanmar, and in Albania. Look for details of these and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here's a union song. We're Solid as a Rock by Australia's energy union, the CFMEU. They can't cheat us. They won't shake us. They can't beat us. Try it all before 
That's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Alright guys, camera speed. Have fun, give us a little count. One, two. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we wait when we remembered Zion. of Babylon where we sat down and there we wait when we remember Zion for the wicked carried us away captivity required from us a song So let the words 
sé de un pesar profundo entre las penas sin nombre. Yo sé de un pesar profundo entre las penas sin nombre. La esclavitud de los hombres es la gran pena del
well, that's something that will inspire you. You don't feel good walking around brokenhearted. Just watch that one. That was one Panamera, of course, by the group Fling for Change, which organizes uh, people all over the world to cooperate in putting together a song. Juan Panamera, of course, the song of Fidel Castro's revolution in Cuba. Rivers of Babylon preceded it. First Street in person, mutinyradio.fm on the web. Tune us in, come on down, find your voice at Mutiny Radio.
we're back. Labor and Love Radio. Coming at you at the top of the hour. Another 45 minutes or so of uh, labor news. Opinions. Having our call from uh, Tampa today. Going to ask our uh, Tampa's correspondent. What can the Biden administration do for young people? What what is it that young people are going to need from the Biden administration? Right now we're going to talk about African American leaders of the labor movement. And historically it's unfortunate, but it's true. Labor unions have been, uh, in many cases, racist, non-inclusive. A lot of people have gotten the idea that unions are for white people only. And in lots of situations, that's been the case. Whites would, whites would take work away from communities of color under the auspices of the union in order to bring them down. So I want to talk about some labor people in black communities. Of course, the first one, the outstanding one in terms of leadership, is Philip Randolph. Randolph was born in 1869. watch old movies, uh, a lot of movies where the heroes like Nick and Laura Charles are traveling on a, taking a railroad trip somewhere. There's always a sleeping car porter. It's always an African American. It's always, it has any walking lines at all, so there's zero there to consider it as great as a person. I would direct your attention to a movie called 10,000 Men Named George about car porters and the problems they face. 1935 with the passage of New Deal Act Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters achieved union recognition through the powerful Pullman Company, one of the most notorious anti-union companies, going back to the great Pullman strike of the 1890s. 
right. Finally, yesterday, we were landed by the Pullman Corporation, and they started working overtime Philip Randolph helped to organize a proposed uh, mark on watch march on Washington forty one with President Roosevelt forestalled by agreeing to look into integrating war industry, all kinds of work for everybody. Also instrumental in organizing the march on March on Washington. And we have a speech that Dawkins played that Randolph made, telling about his work. Next, we have the earliest captured labor leader, labor person. History was being written even-handed way, true way. Lucy Parsons would be one of the heroines who did the work. Chicano, those claims are doubtful according to her latest biography. But, uh, after the war, after the Civil War, that is, Lucy lived in Texas, married a white Southerner, Alfred Parsons, who had been a Confederate soldier. Can imagine how a marriage of that sort, with a former slave, now white man, went over in postbellum Texas. They left Texas and moved to Chicago and became involved in the eight-hour day campaign. And, uh, after the Haymarket, quote unquote, riots. Parsons was arrested, arrested along with seven others. People who didn't own weapons, people who weren't at even at the rally where uh, supposedly a bomb was thrown at some police. Parsons was hung. He's one of the Chicago eight. Lucy continued her work. Became a leader of the movement, collective bargaining, 40 hour weeks, equal pay for women. She wrote something prophetic in the later labor movement took up with a vengeance. 
strike of the future is to remain in and take possession of the necessary property of production. To sit in. Sit in that UAW organizers who, in the 1930s, that civil rights organizers, in other words, sitting in and not letting the work continue. Civil rights workers in places like Greensboro, North Carolina, use this tactic to protest against segregated uh, eating habits. Uh, became uh, very well known, traveled the country making speeches. Uh, she was not quite so interested in women's suffrage, more interested in organizing the workforce. Chicago Police Department put out a memo to its officers that recent arsoning was more dangerous than a thousand riots over card money. Then we have Bayard Rustin. Rustin is a case on his own terms. Rustin was a lifelong pacifist who did alternative service, served time in prison in World War II because he was willing to go and fight. Then when he was in college, he organized students to demand better food. Rustin was, was a close associate of both civil rights and labor leaders. He pioneered the use of nonviolent resistance in freedom rides, mostly connected with the FLCIO as well. Then you throw in that Gus Rustin was gay, an openly gay black man. Clayton Powell criticized leaders like Martin Luther King, but Rustin was such an able organizer that he was retained by the Southern Christian Leadership Council, unofficially retained. And he was a close associate of both civil rights and labor leaders, worked for gay rights, marriage equality, everything. Finally, we come to the labor leader that uh, we all know as a civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr. And of course, we all know that he gave numerous speeches, attended numerous conferences with national labor organizations and participated in strikes, both for civil rights and his very last action for sanitation workers in Memphis, Tennessee. And the famous saying, of course, is all labor has value, but also you've got to help each other, support your brother. Maybe he's on strike and maybe you're not, but we all rise together or fall together. That 
with King Jesus. The, uh, his last sermon was, found him in his pocket, his jacket pocket, after he was murdered. Will America go to hell? Martin Luther King Jr., missionary, militant, Great, great sympathy. Used uh, used labor tactics. Fit in, strike, nonviolent resistance, and inspired citizens to rebel. Baker. Ella Baker was uh, an organizer of the more on the civil rights side, but also really interested in organizing the workers in the civil rights movement. Josephine Baker was a civil rights organizer and strategist who worked for social justice from 1931 to 1986. While largely unknown to the public, she was regarded as the backbone of the civil rights movement, working alongside and influencing the actions of several prominent civil rights leaders and organizations, including the NAACP and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. She founded and guided the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which was organized and firmly based on her grassroots leadership philosophy and became one of the most effective groups of the modern civil rights movement. Ms. Baker's legacy is a generation of activists who used her leadership methods to continue working for civil rights. Ella Baker began working for civil rights organizations in 1927 at the height of the Harlem Renaissance, where she was exposed to what she described as a hotbed of radical thinking. In 1930, she became involved with the Young Negroes Cooperative League which worked to establish consumer cooperatives within black communities. Her work there solidified Ms. Baker's beliefs in group-centered leadership, with young people and women taking active leadership roles. Throughout her career, Ms. Baker never tried to be the focal point of any of the organizations with which she worked. My ego wasn't at stake at any point. I had found a greater sense of importance by being a part of those who were growing. Ms. Baker believed that civil rights would be achieved only if people were committed to fighting for their rights and making decisions within their communities. She believed that the civil rights movement required the long-term commitment of entire communities who worked tirelessly to create real change in the world. In 1938, Baker began working for the NAACP and in 1943, she became the National Director of Branches. The main goal of the NAACP was to expand the organization across the country in order to advocate for civil rights legislation in favor of desegregation. Ms. Baker stepped down as the National Director in 1946 because she wanted to focus on community organizing that went beyond legal actions. 
Her reputation continued to grow as an organizer and activist around the country. She remained involved with the New York branch of the association and became its president in 1952. After the Montgomery bus boycott in 1957, she worked with Bayard Rustin and Stanley Levinson as part of the civil rights group In Friendship to form the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC, with the goal of creating an organizing base for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ms. Baker moved to Atlanta to become the executive director of SCLC, their first employee. Her work behind the scenes allowed Dr. King to move from one place to the next, mobilizing people through mass meetings. Ms. Baker's idea of leadership, however, caused conflict between her and the organization's leaders, African-American ministers who believed in a top-down approach to organizing. Ms. Baker also disagreed with SCLC's focus on highly publicized events at the expense of developing long-lasting community-based organizations. She felt that no lasting change would be achieved through demonstrations alone. While demonstrations did lead to important legislative changes, the sustained commitment of citizens was required to ensure that what the law provided for actually happened. In 1960, starting in Greensboro, North Carolina, black college students began nonviolent sit-in protests at white-only lunch counters. Students participated in 13 southern states and in over 80 cities because the sit-ins were not coordinated by a larger organization, the publicity they gained led SCLC to consider adding a student branch. Because of Ms. Baker's connections throughout the movement, she was directed by Dr. King to help add the students to his organization. However, she believed that the students should decide their role in the civil rights movement themselves, rather than be controlled by the SCLC leaders. In April of 1960, she organized a meeting for the leaders of the student movement. The speakers included Ms. Baker, Dr. King, and Jim Lawson from the Congress of Racial Equality. Ms. Baker's speech encouraged the students to look to themselves and no one else as the main catalyst for change in the civil rights movement. From this meeting and separate planning sessions during the conference, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, was founded as an organization with group-centered leadership and collective decision-making. Unlike leader-centered groups like SCLC, SNCC did not revolve around one well-known figure. Instead, members worked together to organize, seeing themselves as catalysts in building local movements. Ms. Baker soon left SCLC to focus full-time on SNCC, where she supported the students by helping them build the skills they needed to organize effectively and train local leaders. Ms. Baker never saw herself as the leader. She always cautioned us that we were not the leaders. We were the grassroots, the organizers, who were developing leadership that could withstand even our debt. By 1961, SNCC had two main campaigns, one in Georgia and the other in Mississippi, both working for voting rights. SNCC attracted hundreds of white students from northern states to help with voter registration projects. SNCC also helped to develop the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party in 1964 as part of their voter registration project in Mississippi. As the adult advisor until 1964, 
Ms. Baker encouraged SNCC to develop community groups that would help to organize protests and campaigns. I think it's fair to say that without her leadership and her style of leadership, we would not have been the organization that we turned out to be. She guided their decision making and worked to keep the nonviolent focus of the organization. SNCC worked to ensure the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and continued to support communities during its implementation. Baker inspired collective action in SNCC organizers that can still be seen today. Bob Moses, a lead organizer with SNCC's Voter Registration Project, started the Algebra Project, a nonprofit that works to ensure quality public school education for every child in America through the building of coalitions based on the organizational philosophies that Ms. Baker brought to SNCC. Hollis Watkins of SNCC is now the president of Southern Echo which works to develop grassroots leadership across the South, organizing around issues like environmental justice, quality public school education, and redistricting. From SNCC came a new generation of lifelong civil rights leaders who have stayed active in their communities and all across the country. Well-known leaders like Representatives John Lewis and Eleanor Holmes Norton, Marion Wright Edelman, founder of the Children's Defense Fund, and Julian Bond, founder of the Southern Poverty Law Center and president of the NAACP for 12 years, have all used grassroots organizing and local support to carry out their work. By modeling, teaching, and writing about group-centered leadership, Ms. Baker guided the students of SNCC to become community organizers in their own right. There's no overestimating her role in the civil rights movement. She was responsible, really, for SNCC's existence. Without her, the entire civil rights movement would have been different because SNCC was at the cutting edge of the civil rights movement. I'm sure it would not have survived without her. Though their methods and strategies were different, SCLC, SNCC, the NAACP, and other civil rights organizations worked alongside each other and were all critical to the success of the movement. Ms. Ella Baker's behind-the-scenes leadership throughout her extensive career stemmed from the belief that the potential to transform the world was through collective action, not the actions of one person, and that long-term commitment was needed to ensure that the legislative and court victories resulted in long-lasting changes. Though she was not a household name outside of the civil rights movement, her impact on grassroots political organizing is still evident today.
It was the only marketable skill that I had at that time. However, When I first started, I was hired as a typist. It was the only marketable skill that I had at that time. However, I never received that typing job. They sent me to pack stew in cans in the packing department, canning department. And that's where I started. But also that's where I started becoming interested in the union and how I could make a difference in the discrimination that I faced. They never gave me that typing job. They never intended to give it to me. I later found out because they did not hire black typists in their front offices. And so I worked and I learned so much about the union as I packed stew in the can, as I raised grievances for myself and grievances for members of the union, I learned that it was very, very important to be a part of that organization because it provided the force, the source that I needed in order to improve my life and to help others to improve their lives. One of the first problems I had that after I worked for a few days on the packing line, packing stew in the can, a young white woman was hired after I was hired. And I was removed from my job putting cans, uh, lids on the cans, and that job was given to this young white woman. I thought that was unfair because I had just been told that I was doing such a good job putting tops on the cans. And a young black woman who was a steward in that department saw that I was having problems and came over to tell me that I could have a grievance meeting with the company officials. And she and I went down to hold that grievance meeting. I was impressed that here were two young black women meeting across the table with two white men who were the bosses in the plant. We raised our issue and I was continuing to talk about my grievance of being replaced by this young white woman when the stewardess pulled on my frock, which I was wearing, for me to be quiet. And when we went outside the room, I couldn't understand why she told me to be quiet. She said, whenever you win a grievance, don't keep arguing. I said, did we win? She said, yes, we won. And you are going back on the front of the machine to put the tops on the can. I was impressed. How could two young black women 
meet with two white bosses and achieve the success that we had achieved at that time. I was told that it was because of the union. It was a violation of the union contract and she explained it to me. And I was really moved to the extent that I wanted to do something to help this union. I didn't know what the union was, but I know that I needed help. And here was the place that I could get that help. I knew that I wanted to help other workers and I found out that I could help them by joining with them and making the union strong and powerful enough to bring about change. That was the uh, voice of Patty Wyatt, who was working in the tanning department at Armor and now a union, on-site union health care, took a job that had been given illegally a young white Here's one more item for you, the last in our civics book, rights. Boy, everyone in this country is always running around yammering about their fucking rights. I have a right, you have no right, we have a right, they don't have a right. Folks, I hate to spoil your fun, but there's no such thing as rights, okay? They're imaginary. We made them up, like the boogeyman. <laughs> the three little pigs, Pinocchio, Mother Goose, shit like that. Rights are an idea, they're just imaginary. They're a cute idea, cute, but that's all cute and fictional. But if you think you do have rights, let me ask you this. Where do they come from? People say, well, they come from God. They're God-given rights. Oh, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. The God excuse. The last refuge of a man with no answers and no argument, it came from God. Anything we can't describe must have come from God. Personally, folks, I believe that if your rights came from God, he would have given you the right to some food every day, and he would have given you the right to a roof over your head. God would have been looking out for you. God would have been looking out. Okay, that was George Carlin with his take on rights. Uh, of course, the point of what he's saying is that the only rights you have are the ones you fight for and get for yourself. Okay, so right now we've got our uh, campus correspondence. Hello, you guys there? Okay. Vita and Yemen, live from Davis. So how's everything up in Davis? How's the weather up there? Oh, okay. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, I, I'm glad you guys called. I really appreciate your input. And um, I want you to know that, uh, well, first let me ask you, have you been watching the hearings? Okay. And um, any quick off, off the top of your head reactions to what's going on?
Yeah, I mean, Mc I think McConnell announced today that he's going to vote to uh, acquit, acquit mm. Donald Trump. Anyway, wow. we'll see that, and that means all the others will too. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's let's move on. Let's get over Trump. I don't know if you heard this. I just wanted to put this. Oh, this go for it. Pardon me. God and and so that's gonna seventy million people that aren't gonna make aren't gonna make the new Twitter app by him or those people that don't use it anymore. Um, I'm I'm not saying that it's that it's all that Trump obviously made some bad choices because they were just feet away from everybody else. But yeah. Let's you pretend know. like it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and people of color are, are raising their children, are being killed, are being Okay, um I guess I wanna look beyond Trump and, and um the whole thing about Trump and look on to the Biden administration. You guys as uh, university students and young people, uh, what do you expect or what do you hope the Biden administration does to uh, help out people like yourself? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that was a uh, a decision that was made uh, intentionally in the fifties and sixties. Um, a lot of working class kids were able to go to really good universities, yeah. and then once once they raise the fees, the fees now are incredible. It means that you're shutting off a whole population from getting an education and and all the, the things, the good things it means in your life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what about you? What, what's your... 
right. Yeah, I think so. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, well, um, I want to appreciate your coming on the show, and um, I hope everyone heard you guys loud and clear, uh, because uh, Mr. Trump has taken away so much of our attention, and so much uh, energy has gone into yeah. reacting to him, and punishing him, and fighting against him, that uh, we really need to get on and take care of our... Uh, our young people, our students, who are the future. Yeah. Okay, I wanted to ask Yemen about Bitcoin. He had a comment about Bitcoin. Socially, as like the revolutionary currency, stable anymore, and everything is controlled by a government. Bitcoin claims to be decentralized, and that's why in this time, like volume is going up. It was at six thousand last time we talked. It's at forty-seven thousand right now. Um, it's so sort of like they call decentralized finance, which is the way they have banks and governments and, 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 and
Okay, well, um, again, thank you both very much, Vita and Yemen, our campus correspondents from UC Berkeley. And uh, Vita, I want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day one day in advance. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Okay, that was um, Vita and Yemen, uh, students at UC Berkeley. And as you heard, we asked them about uh, what can President Biden and his administration do to help out universities or college students in the country. Um, and of course, the first thing they mentioned was loan forgiveness. They walked around tens and hundreds of thousands of loans just that they had to take out so they could get educated in their chosen their chosen field. Looks like we've got a run here. And um, this has been the Labor and Love Show where we tell you how it is. One person gets a dollar they didn't work for. That means another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table, or you were. You're on the menu. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Tune in next week for more labor needs, opinion, and history to the Labor and Love Show here at Mutiny Radio 2781 21st Street. show wishing you a good week and good work
How would I? I wouldn't know that unless you had come in and told me. Not now. swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small Hello. business advice. Hello. LGBTQ friendly to it? sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. You ever want to be funny? 
Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I can give it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl! Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I can tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! every Sunday 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Francisco, what are you doing this week? Come join Mutiny Radio Presents for four different comedy shows supporting local businesses in the Mission District and beyond. On Sunday, join us in the Tenderloin at Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento. At and 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at 7 o'clock, join us outside mutinyradio.fm here at 21st and Florida, 7 o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th in Alabama for Titans of Comedy every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hey, keep supporting local businesses and comedy here in San Francisco with your friends at Mutiny Radio. St. Valentine's Day Mascara streaming live on Facebook Sunday, February 14th 11 a.m. An International Affair hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnal Are you longing for some lecherous lines? Is it seduction from a sultry sonnet that you're seeking? Or would you rather be ravaged by a villain and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical liberty? Or could this wanting words with me be with an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one-on-one 
Saint Valentine's Day mascara. Saint Valentine's Day mascara. Saint Valentine's Day mascara. 14th of February 2021. 11am PST Facebook Live. A date for everyone. Hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. L-S-D, fap, acid and fapping, fapping and acid, acid, fapping, fapping and acid, fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. What is flat black plastic what could it be it's exactly what you think it is flat black plastic vinyl records round played mixed all for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Walker Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic.
This is Tuzel Matters with Mute in the Radio. Big up to the number one station that rule the nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression.